Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you for taking a few moments with us to take a look at the book. We want to study God's Word in light of how it fits in to the end-time scenario that seemingly is describing current events happening in our world today. I have a five-hour audio series on CDs that will help you understand the origins of everything that is in existence today. This is entitled, Return to Eden. Where is the Garden of Eden? How does it play into the end-time scenario found in God's prophetic word? Well, this is a five-part series the Garden of Eden, beginning and end, sin in the garden, sacrifice in the garden, the battle for Jerusalem, which is key to understanding this, and the Messiah's throne room. Right now, we'd like to take a few moments and allow you to hear a portion of the introductory study in this five-hour series, Return to Eden. Once we've done that, I'll tell you how you can get your copy of this five-hour audio series on CD, Return to Eden. Now, let's take a moment and listen to a portion of The Garden of Eden, beginning and end. And then he says, here's another priority purpose for humankind. He says, okay, now I am going to bring man and put him in this garden to till the garden. And so he has, oh, by the way, back in chapter 2, he brought the animals in also to the Garden of Eden. You want to see? There were animals in the Garden of Eden. Go to chapter 2 and verse 18. And God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them into Adam to see what he would call them. And so there were animals, there were trees, there was beauty beyond description at the Garden of Eden. Beauty, oh by the way, there were two other trees in there. Maybe you remember those trees. Look here in verse 9 again of chapter 2. He put all the trees, every one that was pleasant to the sight and good for food. He put the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. Boy, you ought to underline that. I'm going to show you something later on that's just going to, you're going to go, wow, look at that. The tree of life. And then he also put another tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of knowing good and evil. He put those in the garden as well. And now go back to, in chapter 2, verse 10, he's going to be able to water the garden because he's going to put a river. He puts one river People tell me, well, there were rivers in the Garden of Eden. No, there was no such thing as rivers in the Garden of Eden. There was one river in the Garden of Eden. Got it? Stay to the text. Let's just see what it says. Verse 10. And a river, singular, went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted. In other words, outside the Garden of Eden. Outside the garden, it was parted and became four heads. And the four heads he describes here. Those four rivers coming from that one river flowing out of the Garden of Eden became the Pishon, the Gihon, the Tigris, and the Euphrates. But there was only one river flowing out of the Garden of Eden. Not four rivers flowing out of the Garden of Eden. 
If you're trying to make some decisions as to where you think the original Garden of Eden is, make sure you understand the text. One river flowed out of the Garden of Eden. One river divided into four heads. Okay? There was relationship in the Garden of Eden. Go to chapter 3 just for a second, verse 8. There was relationship in the Garden of Eden. Trying to give you a description, give you an understanding of the Garden of Eden. Why is this so important? This is where it all began. How can we know what our end is if we don't know what our beginning is? I told you, prophecy and creation are in lockstep. The Alpha, who began it all, created it all, brought it all into existence, is the one who says, Behold, I come quickly. Is the one who says in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, Hey, John, write down those things which were, which are, and which shall be hereafter. If I don't understand how he started it all, where he started it all, what the atmosphere was, how it was, how can I have any faith in what he's going to tell us about the future? And so there was a relationship in the Garden of Eden. He makes a beautiful garden. He does this on the third day of creation. He makes all the trees, all the fruit, all the shrubs, all the grass. He puts man in there to take care of this. And then he decides to have a relationship with him. Have you got chapter 3? Look at verse 8. We'll study about the first sin of man later. Tomorrow we'll do that. But look at here in verse 8. We're talking about Adam and Eve now. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Well, we know why they hid themselves, because they had eaten, eaten of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. They came to realize, not understanding it before, that they had been naked from creation, but now, having become knowledgeable of good and evil, they realize they're naked. And all of a sudden, they're standing there naked, and they hear the Lord God. I believe it was Jesus Christ in a pre-incarnate appearance. Why do I say that? Because there are three persons in the Holy Trinity. One person of the Godhead, you can't see, that's the Holy Spirit. One person of the Godhead, if you see, you die. John 1, 48, that's God himself. One person of the Godhead, you can see and live forever. I submit it was Jesus Christ standing in the Garden of Eden. Why? Because he created it all. Man, he created all of this, and he's hanging around to have a relationship. He said, this is abundantly excellent. What else could I do any better? <laughs> this is great. And so he's having a relationship. And Adam and Eve realize they're naked, and now they start to hide. They hear his voice. They're going to see him walking. Verse 9, and the Lord God called unto Adam, and he said unto him, Where art thou? As if he didn't know. <laughs> Verse 10, and he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And we'll get into the rest of that tomorrow. There was a relationship, a relationship between the Creator and his creation in the Garden of Eden. A creation relationship. By the way, you want to know something interesting? There's a similarity between the temple of God and the Garden of Eden. Think with me. Do you remember anything about the temple? You have the Holy of Holies, where the glory of the Lord is. 
You have the holy place where the priest can come and minister. And you have the court of Israel where all the Jewish people can come. You know what you have in the garden? The inner garden where God is. The outer garden where Adam and Eve are located. And the land of Eden where they were sent out. Why do you think uh, God instructed them to build a tabernacle, thus then a temple in that way? And so now we see that the Garden of Eden was an act of deity. I've tried to give you an accurate description of the Garden of Eden. Let me show you the attribute as we conclude. The attribute of the Garden of Eden. You know what it was? Dominion. Have you got chapter 1 still open? Look at chapter 1 just for a second here in verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God appoints dominion to humankind, man that he had brought into existence. Look at verse 28. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God gave dominion to humankind, dominion over all of creation. It was an appointed dominion. By the way, he gave dominion over the animals. In chapter 2, remember when he brought the animals into the garden? He said, now Adam, what are you going to call these animals? And Adam named all the animals because he had dominion over them. And then how did he bring woman into existence? Please excuse me, I'm not a male chauvinist pig, but I try to be a biblicist. When he found no helpmate for man after naming all the animals, God said, did you get a helpmate? No. Well, may I suggest I take care of that? And he reached in and grabbed a rib of the man and made woman. You see, the first woman came from man. And after that, every man comes from a woman. But it gives man dominion. Again, I'm not a male chauvinist pig. I'm simply trying to be a biblicist. Man, dominion over all the creeping things, over all of animals, and over even woman who came from him. Who's standing around watching? A man named Lucifer. Excuse me, an angel named Lucifer. Lucifer, watching God. Who was Lucifer? 28th chapter of the book of Ezekiel says he was the appointed cherub placed in the position of prominence over all of creation in the Garden of Eden. We'll look at it tomorrow. In the Garden of Eden, Lucifer was there over all of creation watching what was going on. He saw God slip by him and go to man to give dominion over all of creation. And Lucifer says, I wanted that. I wanted that. I wanted to rise above I wanted to be worshipped, Isaiah 14. I wanted it. It was appointed to man to have dominion. It was attractive to Lucifer. 
And so he starts to put in motion a way to get that dominion. That's the third chapter of Genesis. We'll dig into it tomorrow. It's the reason for sin. But it's going to be absolute. May I tell you what started in the Garden of Eden with the first Adam will be completed by the second Adam in a restored Garden of Eden. Dominion over all of creation. The two, the Garden of Eden in the beginning, will once again be established at the end. And the Alpha and the Omega, who had dominion ultimately at both spots, will be reinstituted. First Adam, dominion. Garden of Eden. Second Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus Christ. Garden of Eden over all of creation. In his kingdom. Remember Daniel chapter 2? Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And the dream concluded by saying, had ten toes of iron and clay. Oh, by the way, Daniel's going to have a dream and it's going to see a head with ten horns. And it's talking about a revived Roman Empire. Ten kingdoms coming together under Antichrist on this earth. Best, best case scenario is that the European Union is at least the infrastructure of that revived Roman Empire. I didn't say it's the absolute fulfillment of that prophecy. At least the infrastructure. They have a governmental operation. They have an economic system, the euro. They are now putting in place a military. So best case, European Union is a infrastructure for the fulfillment of the garden of the revived Roman Empire. You know what Daniel said to Nebuchadnezzar? Verse 44, chapter 2. When you see this happening, know this, that the stone, Jesus Christ, will come back and destroy that revived Roman Empire. And he'll set up his kingdom and have dominion. How close are we to that time of Jesus going once again into the Garden of Eden to have dominion? About that far. As we quickly approach all the prophetic scenario leading to the return of Christ to the Garden of Eden to have dominion. That stone destroying Gentile world powers and establishing his kingdom, his dominion over humankind. The Garden of Eden, the Alpha beginning and the Omega, the end. Father, as we've just simply tried to lay a foundation in these moments together, from your word to look at the Garden of Eden, we're going to continue in our study, and we're going to advance this discussion as we continue through the Word of God, as we see the establishment of sin, the establishment of a sacrificial system, 
the significance of the city of Jerusalem and the scenario for the last days. All centered around the Garden of Eden. Where you started it, you're going to finish it. I will restore unto Zion the Garden of Eden. This waste land will become the Garden of Eden. Those verses have great importance. And as we study together and as we realize how close we are, and as we hear an Islamic cleric, the Mufti of Jerusalem, say, Oh, that spot there that's so sacred to you dates all the way back when the first mosque was put up in the Garden of Eden. How significant that statement is. Allow us to study the word, to understand your truth, to realize the day in which we're living. In thy precious name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. You've been listening to the first CD in a five-part audio series on CD entitled Return to Eden. This series will help you to understand why there is a battle for Jerusalem. The prophet Zechariah wrote that in the last days, Jerusalem would become a cup of trembling and a burdensome stone. That's Zechariah chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. This five-hour CD series, Return to Eden, will help you to understand why the focus of the entire world will be on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem in the last days. If you're interested in getting your copy of this five-hour audio series on CD, Return to Eden, let me give you the number to call. It's 877-674-3298. Now, that's a toll-free number from all across America. Call our staff. They'll be happy to tell you how you can have your own copy on this five-hour audio series on CD entitled Return to Eden. This is one of the most important studies I've ever done. Once again, that number for you to call, it's a toll-free number. Call and make your order of Return to Eden. It's 877-674-3298. And I want to remind you, Jesus Christ is coming, and it could be today. So let's keep looking up until...